Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and I am so glad that you are listening. As God's people, we as a church are concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about us, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. Have you ever wondered what the number one thing people are looking for in a job? I mean, there's all kinds of things that we say it could be, but according to Teresa Amabel uh, in The Progress Principle, she says this, it's not salary, it's not even about getting promoted or working on a dynamic team. The number one thing people want from their jobs, according to the professor, is meaningful work. Human beings are meaning makers. We rely on meaning to give us hope and confidence to keep fighting the good fight. Thomas Carlyle says something that I would say is somewhat similar. At least we want meaning in where we're putting our focus. And he says this, Our grand business is not to see what lies dimly at the distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. And Christians, we have the hope of heaven, but our business is carried out right here and now. And that is where we find so much of our meaning. James is calling today, from our text, He's calling you and me away from insignificance, from ineffectiveness, and from lifelessness into a vibrant life that comes through the transformational power of God. James is warning us to avoid stagnation, which comes from deception, and he's calling us into true life that results from encountering God through his word, through listening and doing. So, if you're looking for meaning... If you're looking for significance, if you're looking for fulfillment, James tells us we find this in listening and doing what we find in God's Word. So, let's read the text today in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. It says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is a wonderfully frustrating text. It's wonderful because it's straightforward. It says, listen to the word and do what it says. Okay, I think we can do that. I mean, really, we can. Truly, it is within everyone's capability to listen to the Bible, to the word of God, and do what it says. But we human beings tend to complicate things. We tend to let ourselves get in the way. We mix up listening to our own desires in place of the word of God. So, how do we correctly listen and do? And I want to take a few minutes and unpack that idea of listening and doing with three little words. Who, how, and what. Who are we listening to? How are we listening? And what do we do with what we've heard? These three words can make a tremendous difference in finding meaning in our lives and understanding the text we read today, listening and doing the word. So firstly, who we listen to matters. 
It is incredibly important who we listen to. There are many voices in life trying to get our attention. Think of all the people in your life. Every interaction with a person is a voice that we can choose to listen to, whether it's a parent, a spouse, a friend, a coach, an adversary. Maybe it's a bully that you listen to or a boss. It could be a text on your phone or a a commercial that you see on the TV or the computer, a, a book that you're reading, a movie you're watching, a song that you love from a musician that you're a fan of. We have to learn how to tell the difference between the many voices in our lives and discern which ones are helpful and which ones are harmful. And it's tricky because sometimes a voice can be both helpful and harmful. So I want to point out three very simple categories of voices that we tend to listen to. And the first one, you know very well, it's ourselves and you know yourself better than anyone else. That's the first voice and the one we hear the most often. It's our own voice. And our own voice is important to hear and to heed. We need to know ourselves. And we do know ourselves better than most, but there's a problem. None of us know ourselves and none of us know as much as we think we do. We can think we know ourselves a lot. We can think we can know all kinds of things, but we do not know ourselves as well as we should. The older you are, the more you're going to understand this. You're just going to realize there's a lot I don't know about this world. There's a lot I need to find out about myself still. But I've met plenty of well-aged adults that still think they know more than they really do. We have to be careful that we do not let our own biases and our own personal preferences, our own understanding of ourselves, which may be clouded, we don't want that to get in the way of our discernment of listening So be careful. We don't know ourselves as much as we think we do. We don't know as much about the world as we think we do. And I would also add, we are biased by our sin. That's the biggest reason we need to be careful about our own personal voice. The sin nature resides in all of us. And this sin nature, it separates us from God. And it keeps us in an incomplete and broken state as people. And while we are on this side of heaven, we must all be keenly aware of the sin nature and its effects. Even for the Christian, we can allow pride or desire, personal desire, to get in the way of hearing truth. Fortunately, the sin nature is conquered by Jesus and his death on the cross. Today, know that you can receive the forgiveness of your sins. You can receive eternity in heaven and restoration for your soul by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Making Jesus our Lord is the first step to giving credibility to our own personal voice, but it's not the voice we really need to listen to the most. I'll warn you of a second category of voices that we need to be careful about listening to. That is the voice of just others, our peers, the people around us. We all want recognition. We all want affirmation from others. And so we are tempted uh, to want to please others and listen to others. There are people in our lives that we like, that we admire, that we want to please. Beware of the voice of others. They may be important voices. Those voices can be a blessing, but they can also be an albatross on your soul. If you will permit me for just a moment to offer a few words on voices of others, especially those that we need to be extra wary of. Be careful of the voices of others who are just like you. That is your peers, the people that you share interests in, the people that have the, you have the same background, people that are closest to you in some ways, the ones that are just like you. And the reason you need to be aware is they may have the same weaknesses or flaws as you do. We certainly all have this in nature in us, so that's a flaw we all need to be aware of about each other. 
Let me give you an example of dangerous places where peers may reside. I'll give you a very simple one. I love the guitar. It's one of my uh, favorite things to do is to play the guitar. And in the world of guitar players, there is a term used to describe the desire for owning more guitars or more amplifiers or more guitar pedals or gear. It's a term called gas. Yeah, gas. That's probably not a word you're going to forget for a while, because I can say I've got gas. Well, it's gear acquisition syndrome. I want more, more, more. That's what us guitar players do. So if you want a new guitar or other equipment, you might say, I'm really gassing after a new whatever. And I think you could apply this term to about any hobby or any activity that you're gassing for more gear, right? Anyway... If I'm gassing for a new guitar, some sort of toy, some sort of gear, I can find other people who also love guitar gear. I can go to a guitar store, or worse, I can go to a guitar gear forum on the internet. Oh yes, they exist, and people there have the same gas gas sickness. If I ask other gear nerds, do you think I should get a new guitar pedal? They will always say, yes, absolutely, get it. And they'll suggest three more that I might like as well. They have the same gas sickness. I shouldn't listen to their voices. But if I talk to my wife, she'll take a different approach. She'll say, well, do you want it? What will it do for you? Do you have the money for it? And that's a different question from, are all our other expenses taken care of? Hers is a voice I should listen to for many reasons. I'm responsible to her. And she's able to speak not as a fellow enthusiast, but as someone with an outside perspective. So be careful of your peers, because sometimes they can't help you see the truth of what you're trying to discern. There's another phrase, another example to kind of think about. Have you ever heard the phrase FOMO? F-O-M-O, FOMO. That's another type of group, or it's maybe not a group as much as an experience, but I know they exist in groups. FOMO represents these words, fear of missing out. Now, that's nothing new. That's existed for a long time. We just haven't called it FOMO. Ever hear a teenager or someone else you love say, well, everybody else will be there, and if I'm not there, I'll be, I'll be the only one not there. I'll miss out. That's fear of missing out. And it's a marketing strategy, strategy today that so many people use. If you don't buy now, you'll never be able to have it. And fear of missing an opportunity, missing an event, missing an experience, or being in a group of people who are all caught up in that same FOMO, I don't want to miss out. Well, that's a dangerous place to be when you're trying to listen and hear voices clearly and hear truth clearly. If you are listening to the advice of someone who is fearful, maybe it's fearful of missing out or just plain fearful in general, be careful. Especially if you fear, feel, feel fear as well. Wisdom is hard to hear when fear is involved. Along with being wary of listening to those just like us, we need to be aware that well, we do not just listen to those who are like us. We listen to those who confirm our biases. You know, our biases, our own perspective and what we believe to be true. It's understanding that is that which is built into us. It's We are often not even aware of biases that we have. Kind of like the fish. Are, they really, are fish really aware of the water they're swimming in? We all have ways of thinking, all have ways of understanding that are so normal to us that we forget about them. And if we're not careful, we will choose to listen to voices that match our biases. If you're suspicious of the Bible, you might find yourself more willing to trust a voice that is also suspicious of the Bible. 
Well, that's not a good place to start with listening. You're just confirming a bias. And truly, confirming your bias, that's using others to serve yourself. It's actually less about listening to the voices of others and affirming your own voice instead. So how can we discern if we can trust others or ourselves? The answer is not just in diversity of awareness, diversity or awareness, it's in maturity. We can listen to those just like us. We can listen to those who are opposed to us. We can listen to those with different ideas. There's a whole spectrum of voices out there to hear. The wider the spectrum is does not instantly mean better. Be careful about listening to voices just because they're different. It's good to hear different voices. It's better to hear mature voices, whether they are different or otherwise. An immature person will be incapable of giving you truth, or at least they will really struggle with giving you truth. I would say to any teens who are listening to these words, treasure treasure your friends, but please be careful not to give more weight to their voices than you should. It's so easy to want to hear the voices of our peers. They seem so important to us. But please, speak, seek out the voices of those who are more mature, those who are outside of your peers, like a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a pastor, a coach. The type of maturity that we're all looking for, so we can know if we can trust ourselves or others, can be defined by a few different qualities. It can be defined by, firstly, Christian maturity. That's, that's what we really want. We also want to listen to someone who's not ruled by fear. We want someone who is comfortable with their identity, with who they are. They've got nothing to prove. And we want someone, we want to listen to people who want to see us thrive. When we start putting all those different categories together, that's a type of maturity that says, yes, I can listen to the other. I can listen to myself because I see these qualities in me or in others. But outside of the voices of myself, ourselves, and the voices of others around us, there's a third category, and that's where James takes us today, and that is we need to listen to God and His Word. James tells us to listen to the Word, to listen to God, and not just listen, but do what it says. It says God's is the voice that gives us life, and His is the way um, that we need to live by. Now, God has chosen primarily to speak to us through the Bible. So, if we want meaning, if we want significance, if we want effectiveness in our lives, we must listen to God and His Word. All other voices aside, we don't just discard them as useless, but we say, the first and foremost voice I need to be listening to is God's, and His voice is most often found in His Word, the Bible. With that in mind, I want to leave the word who, who we listen to, and think for a few moments about the word how, because how we listen to God's word matters. First of all, I want you to think for a moment. There is a big difference between hearing and listening. I mean, you've got to understand there's a difference between hearing and listening. If I were to be in a conversation with you, but the whole time you were talking, I was looking at my cell phone, I was checking texts and emails, and I was looking at Instagram, I might be hearing the sound of your voice, but I wouldn't be listening to you. Your words would just be eh, sounds. But if I was looking at you, let me phrase it this way. 
If I was looking at you, here's another situation where I wouldn't really be listening. If I was looking at you, but in my head I was thinking of the answer, what I wanted to say next. If I was thinking in my head of why my way is better than your way, and I was just waiting for you to pause so I can get out my words, I'm not listening. I'm hearing, but I'm not listening. But if I'm attentive to you, and if I am nodding in affirmation, if I'm making eye contact with you, if I'm repeating back to you and I'm saying things like, let me make sure I understand you, and then I try to repeat what you told me, if I spend that energy on understanding you, I am listening. And we need to do that with God's Word. Not just reading it and letting the words wash over us, but truly seeking to understand, to dig into what it says. Alfred Brendel says this, The word listen contains the same letters as the word silent. Well, take that what you will, but maybe that can help us with what it means to listen instead of just hear. You know, we're not very good listeners anymore. It takes effort to listen, and this is true for the Bible. You know, in our home, here's another example of why it can be hard to listen. In our home, we have an 80-pound Labrador retriever. Her name's Sophie. We love our dog so very much. She's truly a good dog, but she still has some uh, behavior issues that we need to work out. And one of them is she loves to pull on her leash, clip that leash under her collar, and off she goes. She could be the most calm dog we have encountered all day, all week, all month, but when you clip that leash on her, she takes off like a rocket. One of these days, I am sure she's going to pull my arm out of its socket. I'm going to just, it's going to be terrible. The most challenging moment is when we first attach the leash to her collar. Her excitement begins to build. It's like she transforms in that moment. And then we step into our garage. I don't know why we don't open the garage door first, but we step into the garage. And then once we're all in the garage, hopefully we're all in the garage, somebody pushes the garage door button and it opens and we're all inside the garage and daylight's beginning to come in through the bottom of that door. And as the daylight increases, as the opening grows, the dog gets more excited and she pulls harder and harder. And here's the problem. The dog's shorter than we are, so she can get out under that door before we can walk through it. And so I'll find myself pleading with the dog, Oh, no, Sophie, wait! Oh, Sophie, sit down! And then eventually I'm just, Please! Because she's pulling as hard as she can. In those moments, our dog is not listening to us. She hears what we say, but she is listening to her desires alone. She's saying, it, she's saying to us, Let's go! It's time to get out of here! And often... We hear the Bible, but we listen to our desires and our opinions instead. We need to stop and listen to God, putting ourselves aside and hearing what He wants and what He has for us. Listening is important, but once we're able to listen, how much we listen becomes even more critical. So yeah, how? We listen actively. But then three more things I want to point out. The amount we listen is important. So, frequency. How often do you go to the Word of God? Do you read it only when others lead you there? Do you read it on your own? There's a big difference between listening to God's Word only when we don't know what to do and seeking His Word every day. More is better than never, but only when there's a... But more is better than never, and it's certainly better when... We only read the word God's word when there's a problem. But reading a lot has a limit to how effective it can be. So 
we need to listen. We need to listen frequently by being in God's Word all the time. But we have to go beyond just being in the Word to trusting it. We need to see the authenticity of the Word. That's how we begin to listen. You will struggle if your first thought when you open the Bible is, well, I'm not sure I should trust this book. If you're beginning with that bias, you're going to really have problems. At some point, you need to decide that the Bible, the book, this book is authentic and that you will read it believing in the truth of it. Dr. Matthew Sleeth says this. He says, there's something I've learned about reading the Bible. If you start with the premise that the book is true, it will reward you. And I tell you what, I can confirm that. If you read the book believing it is true, it is such a rewarding experience. I want to invite you to test that. If you're struggling with believing the Word of God, I want you to test it. Try reading it and telling yourself, I'm going to believe this to be true. It will be transformational for you. But not only do we have to read it often with frequency, not only do we need to read it believing in its authenticity, but we also, another way how we listen to the Word of God is we need to submit to its authority. We can read the Bible often, we can trust what it says, but there needs to come a point when you submit, when you say, you know, it's not my will that's being expressed here, it is God's power expressed in this Word. As long as you are the one in charge while you try to listen to God, you're not going to find a lot of life and meaning. I have a phrase I like to use when it comes to studying the Bible. We do not so much read the Bible as we let the Bible read us. Or really what we do is we let God read us when we read His Word. Whenever I read God's Word, I need to ask what God will say to me, what He will reveal to me or about me what He will show me about myself and what I've not yet surrendered to Him. What will He show me about sin that's undealt with in my life? And what will He show me about myself that has to do with carrying out God's commands? When I read the Word, I've got to let the Word read me. How we listen to God's Word matters, but it's not the final word on how we listen. That final little third word, because I said I wanted to talk about who we listen to. We talked about how, which is with active listening, with frequency, with authenticity, with authority. But then thirdly, that third little word is what. What we do with God's word matters. John Locke says this, The actions of men are the best interpreters of their thoughts. And the American Christopher Society, their motto is this, it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. We can have all kinds of responses to God's word, and we need to come to real terms with that, but we all need to be doers of the word. And that's the thing. All the responses we have need to be turned away until we are found to be doing the word. So we can reject the word. That's one I hope you don't choose but it's one so many people choose. We can ignore the word. And I think a lot of people, they read it and then they pretend like they didn't encounter anything. It's like James writing about us looking into a mirror and then forgetting what we look like. We read the word. It shows us who we are. It reads us. It shows us. And then we ignore it. And I say ignoring the word is really the same as rejecting it. It's more about me than it is about God when I reject and when I ignore. But then there's two other responses that we can have that I think are good. 
we can use God's Word to increase our understanding, that is, to increase knowledge. And that's an important step in life, is to let the Bible change our understanding of ourselves, of God, and others. It's important that you believe what the Bible says about you, that you are made in God's image, but that you're also sinful in need of a Savior. We need to believe what the Bible says about God. We need to believe what the Bible says about humanity. And we need that sort of change in our minds. It's a growth in knowledge and understanding. But growing in knowledge is not enough. Eventually, that increase of knowledge leads to transformation. We have to let that knowledge transform us. Somehow, we must let li- the listening of to the Word enter our minds, and from our minds into our hearts, and from our hearts into the transformation of our souls. So yeah, listen to the Word, but let it get into you, and let it change you and transform you. Knowledge is wonderful, but unless we acknowledge, unless unless we let the knowledge of God fill our whole being, we are doomed to insignificance. In a journal entry by the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, the great existential philosopher, he describes the importance of not simply grasping the truth of the Christian faith, but having the truth of the Christian faith manifest itself in his everyday life. He says this, What use would it be to me to be able to formulate the meaning of Christianity, to be able to explain many specific points, if it had no deeper meaning for my life? I certainly do not deny that I will still accept an imperative of knowledge, and that through it men may be influenced, but then it must come alive in me. That's what I mean by the transformation. We, yes, grow in our knowledge of God, but at some point we've got to let it bring about transformation in us. But not only do we let God's word increase our knowledge, that's one reaction to it, but the other one is the one James called us to today in our text action, to do what the Word says. We're to be doers of the Word, and that is certainly a response we need to have to God's Word. So, another important step to letting the Word of God move in us is to bring us to action. There's all kinds of value in doing what the Bible says. I don't think anybody argues about the good things they see in the Word of God. C.S. Lewis says this, When we Christians behave badly or we fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. So, yeah, we need to do what the Word says because it makes the faith understandable and believable to others. Martin Luther says this, God does not need your good works, but our neighbor does. And Daryl Miller says this, How you treat a person in the brief moment when you pass together through a revolving door tells the world what you believe about them. Doing the Word of God is a witness to our world. So many go to James 1.27 to see, well, oh, maybe that's what we do when we become doers of the Word. Because then, as you say, I'm going to be a doer of the Word. You've got to figure out, well, what are we supposed to do? So James 1.27 is the place that many people go, because it's, it's the same chapter in the Bible, and, they, and it reads like this. Religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So there's a call there in that text to take care of orphans and widows, the poorest of the society at the time, and then also to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, so a call to holiness. So, serving those who need help and, well, living a holy life. That makes sense. Some go to Jesus' great 
and second greatest commandments. You can find it in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. It says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and on and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There are many places we can go in the Bible pointing out what we are to do. But I need you to hear this. Just like understanding is not enough, it needs to bring about transformation, doing is not enough. You can do and do and do until the cows come home, but never actually do anything for God. Our world is full of people doing for others, and they may do things that are right and good. They may serve the poor. They may help the downtrodden. They may help those who are hopeless in life. But all so many people in our world... They actually do it to feel good about themselves. They do it to alleviate guilt they feel. They do it to impress others or because of peer pressure from others. Until we do the word of God to let the transformational power of God in, we are choosing a life of dull, lifeless existence. You can change the world with good deeds, but never feel the heartbeat of your soul. Your good deeds must be in submission to the transformational power of God. That is the hardest part. James warns us about deceiving ourselves. We are so good at deceiving ourselves. We can read a passage like this one, listen and do, and we can fail at it. It is not our actions that bring about life, but submitting to God. And that submission opens the floodgates of transformation, leading to a vibrant life. Billy Graham explains this with a description of uh, the Dead Sea. He says this, Just as our bodies need exercise to be strong physically, our faith needs exercise if we are to be strong spiritually. It has often been, been noted that several rivers flow into the Dead Sea, but no river flows from it. That is why water has be, the water has become so saturated with minerals over the centuries, and nothing is able to live in it. Without any outlet... It indeed has become a dead sea. The same is true for us. If we keep faith to ourselves, if we never allow it to flow through us to enrich others, if it has no outlet, then we will find ourselves like the dead sea, lifeless and spiritually dead. So if you want a life, if you want to live a vibrant, full, meaningful life, if you want to live in a way that we would call blessed, listen to the word. Do what it says but do it in submission to God, letting Him transform you in the listening and the doing. Today, some of you are hearing these words. You're hearing these words, but you need to start listening to God above the other voices in your life. Today, some of you need to stop going through the hollow motions of faith and truly begin to listen to God, often believing the truth of His Word and submitting to His authority. Today, some of you need to become doers of the word, not just active people who are busy doing nice things, but submitting to God and his authority, letting him work something new in you. Will you listen? Will you do? Do not wait. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, today I pray that we all would have our ears open to your word so we could listen. Help us that we would hear your voice over all the distracting noises of our world. And Lord, help us to be doers of your word, not just people full of action, 
but people who are being transformed by your word. Lord, help us to complain less about all that we see around us and help us to do more to shine the light of Christ to others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.